Hello and welcome to Revenue Champions with me, Alistair Corsi. On today's episode, we'll be talking about getting your demand generation plan ready for the new year. If you're planning to investigate new channels, set better goals, or try a demand gen strategy for the first time, stay tuned for this episode of Revenue Champions. Hi there and welcome to the third episode on in our Marketing Hall of Fame um, uh, Revenue Champions series. I'm Alistair Corsi, CMO at Cognizant, and today we're welcoming Adam to the show. Adam is the head of demand generation at GetAccept. Adam, welcome to Revenue Champions. Uh, some of the things that got us really excited to talk to you today are the demand generation movement, your marketing strategy at GetAccept, and your European expansion. So it'd be great if you could just kick us off by telling our listeners a little bit more about yourself, about GetAccept, and the problems that it solves and who it serves. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you for, for inviting me, Alice. Um, my name is Adam, uh, and I have been working in like various B2B SaaS companies for the last six years or so, I would say. Um, and I've always been in, in a role in either growth or demand and you know, scaling those functions. Um, and that is naturally something that have become somewhat of an obsession for me um, to focus on demand, and of course, but also scaling teams efficiently, uh, which is something we are now doing a lot at, at GetAccept. Um, and just to briefly explain, um, I work as a head of demand gen at GetAccept. And what we are, uh, we call a digital sales room. It's a pretty recent category that G2 uh, have just released. And we are more or less trying to create like the best possible remote selling experience. So in a way, we see ourselves like a CRM, but, but only for the sales rep specifically. So that is a little bit about uh, what we do. And uh, I head the demandian function. And we are a pretty big uh, marketing team now, which is probably one of the biggest reasons why I joined, because the marketing team have such an influence over uh, the goals and the objectives of the company. Um, I think at the beginning... How big is the team? How big is the team there? I think we are closing into 30 people now in the marketing team. Um, yeah. I think in the beginning of 2021, we were closer to 10. So yeah. You hired 20 people last year. Yeah, something like that. Um, so we are. How did, how did you scale the team so quickly, like in it over a year? And what sort of roles were you hiring for? Uh, yeah, I, I think we have been scaling a couple of functions. One in particular are my function, the demandian team, which uh, barely existed until uh, beginning of uh, last year. So that is one team we have been scaling. We have also been scaling teams such as partners. We have been scaling product marketing. Um, and functions similar to that. So what does the composition of the demand gen team look like? What sort of profiles of, yeah, of people in that team and how, how, you, how do you split it up? Yeah, we, we have split up our demand gen function based on uh, region. So we have a couple of regional demand gen marketers, three uh, right now, that focuses on, uh, we have one region that is uh, France. We have the Nordics as one region, as an example. Uh, we have the UK and then we have a separate team for the US. So we have a regional focus instead of like a specific local focus. And then we also have performance marketers. So we have one person focusing solely on paid social channels and one person focused solely on paid search right now. And then I would say like the demandian marketers, uh, it's an extremely broad role, uh, as you might understand. It it's, has a lot to do with content marketing, obviously. Uh, field marketing, uh, everything like that goes into into play for the regional demandian marketers. Um, but the important are they thing... executing? Are they writing and executing the content themselves? Then? Yeah, um, 
in most countries for sure. And then we, we sometimes hire agencies to, to back us up, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But they are executing, they are owning their kind of regional targets as well, uh, which I think is very, very important to like feel motivated to, um, yeah, to continue work. Uh, for sure. Okay, amazing. And how do you, what's the cadence of like meetings and I guess, how do you guys work together and especially in like quite a remote setup, how does that work for you? Yeah. Uh, and it's also interesting. It was very different uh, when the team were only like 10 people, then, then you can be <laughs> a bit more ad hoc and listen to everyone's weekly and so on. Now, when we're closing into 30 people, uh, it requires a lot more processes and structure and so on. But we meet with the, the entire marketing team uh, once a week. Um, and I meet with the Demandian team um, also once a week and then individually with everyone also once a week. So it's, and then it's more, more ad hoc, I would say. And how did, I guess, how did that change and develop over last year when you were hiring so many different people? How were you able to kind of continue to stay, like to continue the same growth and productivity and not kind of yeah I guess it's it's difficult just onboarding people let alone hiring at that rate as well yeah I, I, I think a key has been that we have also like appointed heads of like different kind of um, you know departments in the team um, so we have you know content we have brand we have partners we have demand yen. and then we also have someone leading all of those teams so and we are all the time making sure that we are going in the right direction which I think is it's sometimes easy to get lost in like all the, the daily activities that we do. So we meet also on a regular basis on a, on a weekly level. Um, yes, to, that's the management, the management layer. Yeah, 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 precisely. I assume you're reviewing metrics at that stage and that kind of leads nicely onto this question of like, what, what are you actually measuring kind of on a, on a day-to-day and then a monthly basis? And what are the things that, you know, would keep you up at night and make you change course? Yeah, um, of course, on a on a long term level, and our success uh, from from the company side is always what kind of marketing source revenue we bring in. Um, but that's that's of course hard for us to see on more of a short term basis. So we still measure everything related to okay, uh, what are the types of MQLs that we get in? Um, how many of those turns into qualified opportunities? Um, and then how much turn into pipeline? It's kind of the basis of it. Amazing. Cool. Um, and then, so I think this is quite a, a, you know, a good question to ask, given that we're just we're in January 2022. So two things I'm really interested in is how did you approach your planning for the new year? Um, obviously, you've got your increased size team and um, I'm sure big, big plans for expansion. Um, and then also, like, how do you kick off your marketing 2022 um, at GetAccepts? Like, is there an actual kickoff? Is it joined with sales? Is it just the marketing team? Like, how do you get everyone aligned, motivated and joined up for the goals for the year? Yeah, we, uh, I would say that we are always planning on a quarterly basis. Um, I don't think that we, yeah, longer plans than that usually holds and doesn't work as well um, or it hasn't done for us at least so we plan on a quarterly basis um, we plan it usually together with sales activities um, because it's usually a lot of field events it's usually a lot of you know talking in communities and so on uh, and we really need need them to be there for us um, so usually it's a lot of planning together um, Sometimes we are very late with the planning because we also want to execute uh, the previous quarter and that's always the balance, right? Um, 
uh, but yeah, quarterly planning, uh, I would say both in the kind of uh, broader marketing team, but also within our teams, what are, especially in the demanding team, what are the activities that will take us to this new revenue level that we uh, are gold upon? So that is something, and I would say everything usually starts with setting the OKRs and the KRs to see, like really have a vision and have an objective where we want to go in 2022 and then just break that down. Okay, what do we then need to hit in Q1? And then what are the activities that will get us there? Uh, and what do we need to do on a more long-term perspective, um, of course, as well. Amazing. And then on the OKRs, because we've actually just implemented these at Cognizant kind of for the first time this year, and I feel like it's a great way to work. Are they being set um, top level from the CEO first? And then it's sort of, uh, yeah, it's cascading down. And then, then you're also setting them each individual department within the marketing team. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how it works. Um, it, it's set obviously from the the management team based on where we want to go as a company, uh, and then it kind of trickles down into each small team as well. Um, so we have our own uh, OKRs within the demanding team, as an example, um, that obviously should reflect the overall uh, objective where we want to go. Um, and how are you managing towards those on a weekly and a monthly basis? Is it like using a monday.com type software or are you just updating them in a Word doc? Or like, how are you making sure that you are actually staying true to the things that matter in terms of what you're executing? And yeah, yeah we are actually using, uh, you know, we're using Trello as a project management tool because it, it was the simplest one uh, we could find. Uh, and simple is usually better for us. Um, so we are tracking it both in there but a lot of our metrics are you know a lot of our okrs are related to to metrics that we we have in our hubspot so most of them are actually you know combined into dashboards that we follow on a daily basis in hubspot um where we follow our goals towards those um, so i would say most of our like analytics and similar things related to those are, are done in hubspot for sure okay amazing great um, and then, so does is there does there exist some sort of kickoff um, for the marketing team in 2022? So at Cognizant, I'm running our kickoff over Thursday and Friday um, this week, actually, when all the team are back from various Christmas breaks and holidays, kind of trying to take a bit of inspiration from a sales kickoff to get us all aligned on relevant plans and sort of a bit more of the detail as well as the targets, etc. Yeah. Um, is that something that you guys do as well, get accept and, and what sort of format does it take? Yeah, for sure. We we actually had a kickoff um, before Christmas as well, um, where we sat down, looked into the OKRs and looked into the previous year, which I think is important to look back on what have worked well and what, what have worked, uh, yeah, not as well. Um, so that we did previously uh, before Christmas, more of like a brainstorming session. Um, and then we will do it again now late uh, January, where we look at more um, the activity plans and the kind of strategies that we have built out now for, for maybe age one at least. And to see if there is anything we need to tweak, kick off with some great energy, get to know each other. You know, we are so many new people working on a remote setting more, mostly. So just to have a bit of fun as well. And I try to do, you know, in my smaller team where we are, you know, five, six people right now, we try to have, you know, fun every, every other week or so, try to do something together. That's not only, only work to get to know each other on a personal level. We have had cook-alongs, virtual cook-alongs and, you know, uh, 
Kahoot and all of those things, uh, which I th- I, and I think that's so important. Yeah, that's definitely. I mean, some it's a challenge with all the remote working these days. Yeah, keep, uh, yeah, keep things fun and exciting, definitely. Okay, great. Well, getting into a bit more of like I guess the nitty gritty in terms of strategy and approach. Mm. Um, what it, I, if you were to summarize the sort of get accept demand generation strategy and approach um, for Q one this year? How how would you summarize that? Yeah, I, I would say our strategy have you know shifted a little bit and, and we might move into that later on um you know I, I think it's i think we all have experienced the the toughness of actually shifting to like a demand strategy where we focus on revenue and things like that and, and one way we have done that now is to is to break out our funnels uh, as many people people write about these days so and that is something we did a couple of months ago but something we are implementing kind of hard now for for q1 um 2022 so where we have a funnel for more of our high intent prospects that we uh, right now refer to as the demos and the contact request we have our more free account funnel where we have uh, we have a freemium model um and then the more low intent funnel where we we have our more um webinars and events and all of those and that has really you know made it clear uh, and it's easy to argument for where our revenue comes from, where our inbound comes from, and how we can kind of focus down now in 2022 to make sure that we, you know, achieve the highest possible revenue target that we can get. Um, that has been like the basis of setting our, that was pretty high level, but it's still the basis of how we set our activities now, for sure. And when did you make the kind of switch, I guess? Um, you say, you know, we've all been adjusting to this and we definitely did this at Cognizant. We moved from a kind of lead, traditional lead generation approach, um, H1 of 21 into a demand generation focused strategy, yeah. H2 of 21. Um, when did you guys make that, make that shift and in what format did that really like come about? Like what were the main things that you changed you started doing and you stopped doing? Yeah, I think it was pretty similar to you actually in terms of timeline. Um, and I would say like the, the first and easiest things we, we changed was just ungating everything that we had. Um, that was like the first concrete action that we took to like start this journey. So ungating everything, starting to talk more with sales around what's working, what's not working, um, understanding our you know, understanding our customers a bit more than we have in the past, to be honest. Uh, and then now finally getting it down to actually, you know, breaking it down into uh, funnels that we actually have in our HubSpot that sales can can look into, that we at marketing can look into, and we can align on those. Um, every, we can also, like, we can put down activities now. Okay, these are targeted to, at some point, acquire these more high-intent prospects. That's the, that's the goal here. Um, and if everyone is aligned on that, it's so much easier um, to do. So yeah, I would say it's a, it's a pretty similar timeline to, to what, what you have been doing. We have, of course, been doing like demand generation tactics before, but I think the problem or the hard thing is like completely shifting over to a, to a strategy. Yeah. And yeah. did you have any like opposition internally to, to doing that? Was it um, like, how do those conversations go? Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, it, sometimes it's, and I feel like I've, <laughs> I've had this at, at every company I'm at, it's hard to understand sometimes. Um, and that's where I think this kind of funnel breakdown is, is really key to make sure you, you can actually show data from uh, where the revenue comes from. I think that's, that's key. I've, in my previous jobs, you know, experienced we have kind of dabbled a little bit into shifting over to a demand strategy, but 
as soon as kind of the MQL volumes go down a little bit, we are we're kind of back to where we started. I really I really feel like sales are so on board with a demand gen strategy when you when you discuss it with them. And I think that's key to just involve sales as soon as possible to make sure you're both aligned on what kind of strategy to go for here. And I get, I think I, I would echo what you say. Um, and when we say the funnel breakdown, I, just to, I guess for our listeners, what we mean by that is splitting out your sort of the different channels that are driving your MQLs or leads um, and actually going through the process of understanding the conversion rates at each stage by each of those channels. And then it does become very clear the difference between an actual direct intent demo yep. request lead versus um, like a more traditional MQL which is essentially just sort of contact details gathered through a form when someone's yeah. decided to download a piece of content. Um, and for us, yeah, we definitely see the, we saw the difference in conversion rates and then it was very easy to persuade sort of CFO and CEO that actually was quite an inefficient way of working. Yeah. And I think that's, that's also so, you know, I think certain more lead gen focused activities still can have its place. Like paid search is a huge revenue driver for us. As an example, it's still very much alive and kicking. And I would also say that we, we see such a correlation between, uh, I would say that our paid social are mostly focused on you know, awareness, getting our brand out there. And we see such a correlation with the kind of companies, the more high intent companies that we acquire from paid search when we kind of lower our awareness uh, spend on social. We can see that dropping quite, uh, quite quick, you know, people coming in from searching for GetAccept, for example, uh, and vice versa, when we increase the kind of awareness activities, when we do an event and things like that, we can see that these other channels are all also positively affected, even though we can't attribute it directly. So I think that's also, that has been an important thing to be able to show also to, as you say, the CEO, the CFO. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, spend correlation in relation to, um, yeah, the increase in growth of our direct inbound demo request is something we always look at yeah. and brand the search term. And yeah, I think that's a great way of proving, especially when you see that monthly, the month, uh, yeah. proving yeah, that the strategy is working. Kind of leading on to, I guess, a more specific um, tactic. Uh, I'm assuming that, that this is part of your sort of demand generation focus, but you recently launched a podcast, The Demand Generation Movement. How did you decide to start that podcast? And is it a personal project or is it part of kind of the wider Get Accept strategy? Um, no, that is actually a personal project, but I would say that it is a part of get accept, you know, building, it's more for me kind of building in a sense, my personal brand, but I would say that that is very much, um, a positive thing for get accept as well. And I know that they, they agree as well. And I, you know, I, I started this mostly based on there are you know you have done a great job as an example of kind of educating the european market around these topics there are a few others as well but in relation to how many you know podcasts are starting up in the us how many of these more influential people talking about demand and in the us are, are so much more i would say and people in europe are still at least at many companies i've been at is still very much in the traditional bandwagon if you say um so i felt like um, there was an opportunity to have something more, you know, niched only towards demand generation in Europe and to, to kind of interview some of those uh, leaders within Europe, because I think it's, it's, it's pretty different how we can do things in Europe versus US sometimes. And we can uh, move into more of that, of course, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be very exciting. 
Yeah, I'm interested to hear about that. So I, I guess um, you have mentioned that you believe Europe is sort of behind the US on the demand movement. I would echo this. I mean, I definitely see it myself. But how have you kind of come to that conclusion? Is it just discussions with other fellow marketers? Um, yeah, or, yeah, I yeah, think it has been... We have our own, you know, separate US marketing team, in a sense, at GetAccept, um, where we have a, a couple of three, four people um, that work only from the US with the, with the US marketing. And it becomes so obvious that both the competitive landscape are so different. It's, of course, tougher in the US, uh, a lot tougher. Um, but also, like, the kind of tactics that that many companies focus on in the US are quite different sometimes from, from Europe and a lot based on GDPR here, for, as an example. Um, we can't, you know, target people as much as you can in, in the US. Uh, and also, I, you know, I have been talking to a lot of marketeers in US about scaling to Europe and vice versa. And, and there is quite a yeah, disconnect between these markets, I feel like, um, sometimes. Amazing. And are there people who you think are actually doing demand gen like particularly well, I mean, either in Europe and or and or in the US and that you could sort of point people in their direction as good examples of, you know, companies to follow or people yeah, individually? But I, I think it's funny because I, I think there are so many people putting out great things about demand gen also in Europe, but I think often they are not the ones maybe, yeah, getting the, getting the focus. And I, yeah, I can mention just Edward Edward Ford, the Demandian director at Supermetrics. I think he is putting out like tons of great knowledge bombs. Uh, he's also the host of the Growth Hub podcast and putting out great uh, great knowledge around growth and demand topics. I feel like um, and someone in in Europe that is putting out great uh, content for sure. Great, that's good to know. Definitely. Yeah. Now, one thing I'm I'm very interested in trying out this year are are YouTube ads. Uh, I think we have, you know, I've been seeing so many. Oh my gosh, I am so <laughs> in the same boat. I think I, I spend so much time at YouTube myself, and, and I actually watch a lot of those ads, especially from companies like ClickUp, like Monday, as you said, are doing so many funny like YouTube ads where they can really get their story out. So I'm, we have done anything, to be honest, in terms of paid on YouTube. So, so that is something I'm excited to try this year. Do you think that would it starts more with like? I mean, this is where I'm kind of thinking about it. Is I think obviously doing it well is doing great video so like high production a lot of those are um the ones that i think are really good are, are kind of high production output um yeah how are you yeah exactly that? they are of course but i think we will probably start at a at a smaller scale we'll probably do it in-house and do it as well as we can just to kind of i, I guess learn the channel because it's completely new to us we don't we have we don't have any clue around spends around how you know what people, if our audience is even on there. So it's, it's a big experiment, to be honest, uh, and to push like a big production uh, before we yeah, have materialized it, I think is, uh, is hard for us, for sure. That's really interesting. Like, how would you, I guess, as you're saying, it's like a new channel, you don't know anything about it, it's a big experiment. Like, how would you as a demand gen leader like, approach that? Like, what would be the process and steps that you're going to go through 
um, in order to actually test it out and then either validate yeah, or I would, validate. I would probably start here with like looking at the other channels we are currently successful in and looking at like, okay, what, what are working here, especially in terms of video then, because we can see in terms of our paid social channels, we are on like, of course, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all of those, we can see that video performs extremely well for us. And it's not really that much about the production. We have more high production videos, but then we also have these more, okay, this is filmed with that camera um, and then just a few animations put on, but they work just as well as a high production video. So that is my kind of like hypothesis that usually, usually that can work just as well uh, if you have your story right. So we would probably start looking into, okay, what have worked well uh, during 2021 in terms of video on social and how can we kind of scale that to the audience at YouTube? How is YouTube different than the videos we put on LinkedIn and Facebook? Um, I'm not sure at this moment. And uh, that is something I would really like to find out. And is your hunch that it's more of a, um, it's something that's going to play into that correlation effect of brand building and awareness and the velocity of your direct inbound requests and brand search term versus it being like a direct like paid performance lead generation yeah for sure um i think this will be a huge brand awareness driver um i just like we we haven't been big on you know carousels on link i've seen you do at cognizant a lot of carousels as well which is a great way i think to like be able to tell a whole story in the feed and i think youtube ads is precisely the same because people are <laughs> often actually viewing like the entire video if it's good enough um, and i think that's a great opportunity to like really express what we are about um, and the kind of value that we're trying to get get in front of people um, so yeah i think it's a huge huge brand awareness driver for sure so i guess i might know the answer to this question but if we were going to give you an extra twenty thousand pounds of your budget to invest in marketing this year like how would you spend it <laughs> yeah yeah i would, I would as we can see, I would say that the thing that has been most successful for us in in 2021, I would say, are, to be honest, videos in, in various form. That is what have worked best. Um, it doesn't really matter the channel, to be honest. So I would invest in, in more video um, capabilities, I guess. If that's a person, if that's an agency, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's one I would for sure uh, invest in. And then I think... Uh, marketing ops um, that is something that usually you know ends up on on a lot of our tables and something that is quite hard sometimes um, we need to make sure that we you know we have our attribution as good as possible that we have our nurture flows um, kicking some ass and yeah um, also making sure that the dashboards are set up correctly we're following our goals and targets uh, so yeah, some someone that can help with marketing ops for sure. Amazing. And I'm going to finish off with my favorite question to ask everyone. So um, what would you tell our listeners to start, stop and continue doing in 2022? Yeah, I, I would for sure tell people to, um, to start with this funnel approach that we have talked so much about already in this episode. I think it's an easy way. It, it's an easy way to show where your revenue comes from and where your inbound comes from. And usually those doesn't match. Um, that is kind of, at least that has been the case for, for many of the companies I've been at. Uh, so I think that's, that's an easy thing to just do and show to your management team, um, early 2021, just to focus down and stop. I would probably say, you know, gating content, obviously, but 
gating bad content, I guess. If you are to gate something, it should be then be extremely valuable um, to someone for them to actually release their information. So maybe just run through all the content you've got and, and decide upon that. Uh, and continue with, I would say, I think many people are doing similar things, but I would say that like define what kind of on your web page, define what you view as a more high intent page or a high intent content piece. That is like a huge channel for sales, I would say, because people might not be ready to, you know, reach out at any point, but, but if you are reaching out to them at the right time, that could be like the perfect thing. I actually had an experience from that where I, a colleague shared a, a blog post to me from, from Drift. And um, so I went into that blog post, read that blog post. Two days later, I got contacted by an AE um, at Drift that, that had research about me, about our company and certain things that they felt like they could, could help us with. And it resulted in a, in a meeting very fast because I was already, you know, having read uh, a pretty long form content piece of theirs that they had marked as high intent. I thought that was a, a very neat experience. Yeah, that sounds great. Amazing. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Adam, today. Thank you so much for giving us some insights into what you guys are going to be doing in 2022. And thank you for joining our Marketing Hall of Fame. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for having me. This episode of Revenue Champions was brought to you by Cognizant. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast to get notified when the next one goes live. And follow Cognizant on LinkedIn and Twitter for more sales and marketing content. If you're listening on Anchor, you can leave us recorded questions or comments by hitting the message button below the title. We actually love hearing these. And if you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends and share it online. We want to get the word out about Revenue Champions so we can bring you the best podcast possible. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.